Well, Northside family, it is good to be with you and everybody online. I want to welcome you in. My name's Nate, one of the pastors here. And what a great morning so far already to worship and to see life change. And uh, today and this weekend has been Serve Day weekend. I know some of you get your red shirts on, uh, whether you're going to serve after the service. Uh, but it has just been incredible yesterday and today where hundreds of people have gone out into the community. Yesterday we did food packing. And one of the coolest stories that we got back from yesterday uh, was out in the lobby. Uh, we had blanket making. Now, I know that sounds kind of weird, right? You're like, y'all make blankets? What in the world, you know? And, and this is what we do. We do blanket making uh, for Norton's Children's Hospital. And what it is, is it's part of the care package. When people come into the hospital, when their life is in crisis, they present them with a care package. They let them know, hey, here's a blanket. People have already been praying for you. And yesterday, it was really neat. Uh, we had a freshman from Floyd Central High School who was out there making blankets. And somebody asked them, they said, hey, you're in high school. You know, normally you should be sleeping in or doing something else you know what are you doing here and she said well actually this is really near to my heart because when I was five years old I had an emergency and I had to go down to Norton's Children's Hospital and somebody presented me and my family with a blanket and let us know people have been praying for you and this was a gift and she said I wanted to do the same thing for those who are in need and I just love watching God do incredible things and can we just give him thanks today for how he's redeeming <laughs> stories and people's lives you know, oftentimes we forget that sometimes when we go through hard things, we think that's the end of it and let's just kind of get over our problems and move on. But a lot of times God says, what you go through, I wanna work in you to be a blessing to one another. And, and it's easy for us to forget. Sometimes we, we believe, you know, simple stuff like this. Well, you know, the, the ones that God wants to use to reach people are the pastors. I mean, that's why they're pastors. I'm just here to listen. And what you find actually in the scriptures is this, the church isn't, isn't just a pastor, the church is all of us. And we forget that, and we forget that God is saying, no, through every single one of us, through the power of his Holy Spirit, he's reaching one another. I love watching friends, baptized friends, going, God is working through each of us to draw everybody to Jesus. And this is the joy that we have of why we're doing this series called Identity Theft, is a lot of times we forget this. We forget who we are in God. We forget his calling on our life. We looked at it last week in Luke chapter 24, that when the women showed up to Jesus's tomb, not only did they think Jesus was dead and just gone forever, when they saw that his tomb was rolled away, the stone, they thought, man, he's just gone. Now somebody stole his body. It's gotten worse. But the angels had to remind him. And the angels told him this, hey, remember, Jesus said, I must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. I must be crucified and then I will be raised again. And then the scripture says, then they remembered what Jesus said. Then they remembered that God was already moving ahead of them. That what they saw when he died on the cross was not the end, that there was new life coming. But for some of us, man, we get running so fast. We forget the promises of God. We forget the word of God. I came across this story this week of a man named Stephen Thomas. And Stephen Thomas is a videographer. And a number of years ago, uh, Bitcoin hired Stephen to make a video explaining cryptocurrency. I still don't get it. But they hired him to make a video about it so they could explain people and all this other stuff. Well, Stephen Thomas made it. They paid him in Bitcoin. They paid him 7,002 Bitcoin. Now, back in the day, it was worth about a dollar a Bitcoin. And you can't like go to McDonald's on Bitcoin. Hey, I got a Bitcoin for you, right? Like that doesn't, right now that doesn't transcend anything. Well, a couple of years ago, his friends came to him and said, hey, you did that video for Bitcoin. What'd they pay you? Well, they paid me in Bitcoin. How much? 
uh, 7,002 bitcoins. Or like, he was like, it was $7,000. I can't even cash it out. And they go, uh, have you checked how much that's worth now? He's like, no. He checked it real quick. <laughs> 7,002 bitcoins at that time was worth $220 million. They go, you better go check on that. He's like, I better go check on that. You know, and uh, he goes to check on that. And you have to put in a password for your account. Here's the deal. Can't remember his password. Here's the deal how it's set up. It's not like, hey, email to get your password back. Then you can log in. They put an iron key on it and you have 10 tries for your password. And after 10 tries, it's self-encrypt itself so nobody can access it again. He's tried eight times and has not successfully unlocked it. He's got two tries left. And he's stuck in this place of trying to remember this password, which would change his life forever. And they interviewed him and they said, how are you handling this? You could become an instant millionaire. And right now you are instantly described as a failure to everybody. This was his quote. He said, it was actually a really big milestone in my life where I sort of realized how I was gonna define my self-worth going forward. And what I decided was it wasn't gonna be about how much money I have in my bank account. I don't know if Stefan's a Christian or not, but I know this, there are moments in your life and my life that it is easy to define ourselves by a milestone. It's easy for him to now live in this tension of am I $220 million worth or I'm an absolute failure. And too many times you and I, we allow ourselves to be defined by some decisions or fears that we don't make decisions by. And this is why we're doing this series called Identity Theft, because Jesus says this in John chapter 10, 10, he gives us a heads up and he says, hey, you need a heads up to the disciples and to you and I. Today, he says, listen, Satan has come to kill, to steal and to destroy. He wants to distract you. He wants to move your focus away from him. He'll do anything he can. But then Jesus says, but I have come so that you may have life and life to the full. Jesus says, I want you to experience and know who you are, why God created you and the purpose that he has for you. This is why today and over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna identify the big five lies that you and I believe. And a lot of times we don't even understand or know that we're believing them till later on. We actually have an outline of the dates of what we're gonna be talking about. This week, we're gonna be talking about the lie uh, that we just define ourselves by what I have. And we just believe that. Either we have stuff and we're worth something or if we don't, we're worth nothing. That's a lie. Next week, we're gonna be talking about this. I am only what I do. So if you're successful in work, then you're a successful person. And if you're not, I guess you're not successful. And too many times, that's how we identify and get our value from. The third week is this. The lie we believe is I'm only what other people think or say who we are. Too many times we've walked around going, well, my mom told me this, or my dad said I was this, or somebody, one of my friends said this, and I guess that's just who I am. And we believe the lie rather than the truth of who God says we are. The fourth week, it happens to be on Derby Weekend, is this, the lie that we are only our best moments, that we're only our highlight reel, and that's all we are. And the fifth week we're gonna be talking about is this lie is I'm only my worst moments, and that's how we define ourselves by. 
See, this is the way Satan loves to work. He loves to use lies into this. And I just want to look at one scripture today that's going to really set the tone for our series. It's actually from a man, the Apostle Paul, who had a whole identity crisis and God changed his identity. He literally changed his life from the inside out. You know, Paul used to be known as this man named Saul. And what happened was this. Uh, Saul began to go around. He was a Pharisee. He was the top of his class. He was super smart. But here's the thing. He hated Christians. And so he would try his whole life to put Christians in jail, to kill Christians until Jesus interrupted and changed his whole life. And what we find is this. Jesus takes a man whose life was messed up, who was going in the wrong direction, and he interrupts and he changes his identity. And now we get the apostle Paul who ends up writing letters that are included in the scriptures. See, this is what Jesus does. He's going, I have a new identity for you. I have a new way for you to live. And this is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I want to encourage you to memorize this verse. I want to encourage you to write it down, to soak on it, maybe read it every day through this series. But Paul begins to say this. He goes, if you want to experience the life change of Jesus, he goes, here's how it happens. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says this. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern that goes on in this world. Don't conform to it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed, be changed. But here's the thing, he doesn't start with behavior. He says, by the renewing of your mind, by focusing on God's word, by focusing on who God says you are more than you or anybody else says you are. Because then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I gotta tell you this, man, I want my life to count. Man, I want my life to matter. I, I want from now till the end of my life, every breath I have to go, man, that was the kingdom of God. I was doing the will of God. And Paul says, good, here's how you know God's will. Here's how you can live out God's will is this. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed. But by the renewing of your mind, Here's my problem. I don't know about you. I, I'm just a doer. I'm a, anybody love to make lists and then on the top of your list, you say, make a list so you can mark off that you made a list, right? It's a sickness, right? You're like, you know, I love lists. I love to write it down. Here's what we're going to do today. Here's this. Here's this. Here's how, and, and this is what I believe. Here's how I'm going to change. I just got to change myself. I got to change my behavior. And what Paul says is this. No, no, no. That's not how you change. How you change doesn't begin with how you act. I love how Rick Warren says this. He, he says, if you're gonna change how you act, you have to change how you feel. And if you wanna change how you feel, you have to change how you think. Because how you think directly impacts how you feel. And how you feel directly impacts how you act. See, Paul says change begins not by our behavior. Change begins by you and I renewing our minds on the truth of God, focusing our heart on him. Because this is what I found out. We have to control our thoughts or our thoughts will what? They're going to control us, man. And too many times I've been controlled by my thoughts. And what God is saying is this, Nate, I know you don't have the power. Would you allow me to begin to define who you are? Would you begin to allow me to say who you are and allow my will to be done in you? This is what I found out. The more I study scripture, Satan has one play that he keeps running over and over again. You know what it is? Lies. It's lies. 
This is why Jesus calls Satan, he is a deceiver and he is the father of all lies. You see this all the way back in Genesis. When God had made everything perfect, Adam and Eve are there with God. Life is good. They know their their purpose. There's a great relationship between them. There's a great relationship with God. Things are good. And then Satan shows up and listen how he attacks them. He he says this to him in Genesis chapter three. He shows up and he starts questioning God. He's like, did God really say you shouldn't eat from that tree? He's like, "Let let me just get you thinking about it. Let me just get your mind distracted from what God really has said. He goes on to say this in verse four to Adam and Eve. He goes, you will surely not die. You see what he's doing with their mind? Just just begin to ask questions. Just begin to plant all this doubt. You're you're not gonna die. For God knows that when you eat of the one tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I love how Eugene Peterson said this. He said, comparison is the root of, of all evil. Comparison is the root of all. You're gonna be like God. Do you see the mind games he uses? And what he's really getting at is this. This is why we talk about the lie today. I am what I have. What he's really getting at is this. Just begin to believe that God is not enough for you. Because you're gonna be like God, Adam and Eve. Your eyes are gonna be open. They're like, man, well, that sounds pretty good. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and then listen to this, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. I don't I guess I don't have enough. I need more. When she saw it, she took some and ate it. So also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, here's what happens when you and I begin to buy in this lie of all these other things other than who God has called us to be and how God has called us to live. Here's what ends up happening. We begin to cover the sin and shame of our life. And then we don't know what to do with that because all of our identity is messed up. It says this in verse 9. It says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Man, what a great question for you and I to ponder today. Spiritually, where are you today with God? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he, God said, well, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Then the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Boy, Adam was quick to throw Eve under the bus there, wasn't it? Adam's like, oh, it's not me, it's the woman. And then did you notice that? He's like, it's the woman and God, it's the woman you put here with me. Right, it's like, oh, Adam, you gone lost your mind, my man. But see, this is what happens when we begin to lose and we begin to focus on things that are not our identity. We begin to blame everybody else. Sometimes we go, yep, see, women, they always want more. No, 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 no. Did you see what the passage says? It says that when Eve ate the fruit, Adam was there with her. It's not just a her thing. This is an us thing. This is an us thing. And we've all mistaken. And see, here's how Satan loves to work. Let me just attack your mind. Goes on to say this, verse 13, the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? 
Then the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. I bought a lie. I bought a lie. God, I didn't think you were enough. I thought I needed to have more. God, you blessed me with all this. You blessed me with the garden. You blessed me with Adam. You blessed me with this. You blessed me with this relationship with you. But I thought I had to have more. See, this is why we got to pay attention to the lies. This is why we call it identity theft. Because there's a difference between theft and robbery. Robbery, there's a confrontation. When there's a theft, you don't know that it happened. Until it's gone. In that moment, they didn't know what they were doing when they were thinking about this. They were entertaining the wrong thoughts. And here's what I want to guide us back to. God asked three questions that I think are so important. And not only three questions in this passage, but the order of them are so important of us recapturing our identity. The first question he asked is this, where are you? God shows up and he says, hey, where are you? And this is telling us something about God and and his identity for us. He's going, I'm not waiting for you to have your life figured out. I'm coming to help you have your life figured out. Where are you? Man, God's saying, I'm here for you. But then he says this. Not only does he say, where are you? He says this, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Who's the primary voice in your life? And then lastly, he says this, and what have you done? I'll be honest, with my kids, that's not the order I talk to them. I show up and go, what have you done? (laughs) What have you done now? Who told you to do that, right? I don't even get to that last question, where are you? I go, I know where you are, you're in timeout. That's where you are. See, this is very important for us to pay attention here because this helps us recover our identity and who God is. God is a God who shows up and doesn't start by asking, what have you done? God shows up as a loving father and says, where are you? Because I care about you. I'm here to restore you. I'm here to give you your worth back. I'm here to tell you who you are. I'm here to be the primary voice. I'm here to give you the power of the Holy Spirit that is the presence of God in your life. So all the distractions that come in, all the attacks, all the things that you think about, I'm here to supersede that. I'm here to be the speaker into your life that speaks the word of God and the truth of God into you. And then we'll talk about what you've done because here's what he knows. Until we start walking with God and until God is the authority of our life, our actions will not change. See, this is the identity of God that we got to grab hold of. It changes everything. And what you and I have to have is this, the courage to confront where we begin to believe the lies in our life. God wants to change us. What he's doing in this passage is this, and one of the things we want to do within this series, this is what Paul encourages, is to begin to take time to think about what we're thinking about. Sometimes we go so fast that we never pause to think about what we're thinking about. Adam and Eve, they didn't pause to think about what they're thinking about. Man, if I begin to buy this lie, what would that do to me? All they began to think about, ooh, that looks good for gaining wisdom. Oh, that looks good. I think I'll have two of those and eight of those. And and Paul is saying, hey, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think about what you're thinking about. Got a call last Sunday night from one of my best friends, Jay Jacoby, about 9.30 at night. He called me and he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, well, it's Easter Sunday night, man. I'm about ready to lay down, man. I'm spent. He goes, baptistry open at the church? I'm like, baptistry's always open, my man. He goes, good, because I got two on the line. And I, and I love in southern Indiana, that's what we talk about. When somebody wants to get baptized, yeah, but we got two on the line, right? You know. And uh, here's what was so neat. Last Sunday night, Easter Sunday, 
we had an opportunity to baptize Jay's father-in-law, Tito, who's 80 years old. Man, you can show a picture of Tito, 10 o'clock Easter Sunday night. And it wasn't just Tito. What was cool is this, Jay's son, Jackson, who's 20 years old, got baptized. Not to be confused with Tito Jackson, right? And... Uh, It was this incredible moment just over there at 10 o'clock at night. What a way to end Easter. Tito gets in the baptistry and listen what he says. I, 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 I took video and I went back. This is quote for quote. Tito gets in the baptistry and this is what he says. He said, I am 80 years old and I've run my life the way I've wanted. But this time, I want to follow God's commandment. And I want to go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is such a beautiful moment. And in my mind, I was like, the way Tito's talking, he's like, you know, I've lived 80 years, but this time I'm like, he thinks he's going to live another 80. And I'm like, go, Tito, go, my man. He's ready to take the hill this time. And what he's saying is this, I'm thinking about how I've been thinking. I'm thinking about how I've been thinking. Jackson, 20 years old, been a Christian for a long time. He got baptized and we asked him, we're like, man, oh, you know, I thought he had been baptized. He goes, no. He goes, when I became a Christian, I thought, I don't need to get baptized. It's not a big deal. I'm a Christian. And he said, I'm at college and what I've realized is I'm trying to share Christ with other people and I'm trying to make disciples of all nations. And what I'm realizing is this, when you make disciples of people, they get baptized to identify with Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection to understand, no, Jesus is my king. I identify with him and I'm walking in the power of the spirit now. And he said, there is no way for me to go and make disciples if I haven't been baptized myself. And what you heard from a 20 year old is this, I need to think about what I'm thinking about. Maybe I'm not the king of my life just because I'm 20 years old and invincible. Maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a new identity for me to live. You know, we always run, and a lot of times I do, I run to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, because it's such an incredible verse, powerful. But what I fail a lot of times is to read what Paul writes right before Romans chapter 12. Listen to Paul's mind. Here's this guy who has an incredible dark past, a past of regret, a past of shame. Listen what he says in Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. You see where his mind is at. This is how God did so many incredible things through him. He continued to renew his mind on who Jesus is. He says this in Romans 11, verse 33. He says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, how great that is. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Paul is saying this, I am thinking about what I'm thinking about. For everything is from God and through God and to God. What he's saying is this, I found my new identity. I found who I am in him. What I find interesting is this, Paul later on begins to talk about it in the book of Ephesians. He begins to talk about the armor of God. He begins to tell us, hey, 
Put on the helmet of salvation. Put it on, your salvation, the saving grace of God. Put it over your mind so when Satan attacks your mind or even when you attack your mind, you are reminded of your salvation. Hey, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Remember that it's your heart that has been transformed by the blood of Jesus. It's not your works that save you. It is the work of Jesus and the cross. Put on the belt of truth. He's saying all these things. Here's the thing. All of those words are all defensive language. Those are for attacks. But then he says this. And pick up the sword of the Spirit. And what he's saying is this. You begin to fight back against the lies of Satan with the truth of God. Don't fight back Satan with your thoughts. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And daggone it, people like me, right? No, 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 Saturday Night Live. That's not going to help us, right? That's not going to save us. What Paul is saying is this. No, no, no. The word is alive and active. It cuts through the lies. It cuts through the things that Satan loves to hold us back with. It holds us together. What he's saying is this. We've got to be people, if we're going to recover identity and experience the identity that God has for us, we've got to remove the old patterns and replace them with new promises. Now get rid of the old patterns. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world but we need to be people who replace them with new promises. See, God never asked you just to kick your habit. What he's saying is this, would you begin to embrace your identity in Jesus? And here's what will happen. When you begin to walk in your new identity by the power of the Spirit, you'll begin to see your life change from the inside out. This is what Jesus told his disciples. He says, here's what I want you to replace he begins to address one of the biggest old patterns of the world. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Guilty. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or about your body or about what you'll wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. See what Jesus is doing this moment? He's like, hey, hey, think about what you're thinking about for a second. You're stressed out about everything in life. You're freaking out. Look at the birds of the air for a second. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then listen to this question he asked. Are you not much more valuable than they? Just let that soak in on your heart for a moment. Too many times, myself included, it's easy to believe that God has forgotten who we are or what we need. And so we begin to believe the lie that we just got to get everything we can in life and make ourselves. You're not what you have. You and I are who has us. And Jesus is saying, your heavenly father has got you. Don't worry about today. Remove these old patterns and replace them with new promises. And what he's saying is this. You may want to write this down. I am is enough. That was the word for God in the Old Testament. I am. I am is enough. Look at the birds of the air. Man, look at that like parakeet. Look at that parrot that can talk. Wow. Right? right? Incredible. You're more valuable than that parrot. And you're more valuable than all these creations. I love what Corey Ten Boom says about worry. 
She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. See, when you and I worry, we lose this promise of God going, I've got you. Oh, you might not have as much as you want, but you have as much as you need. And you may not have it when you want it, but you'll have it when you need it because your heavenly father has got you. He goes on to say this in verse 32. He said, for the pagans, they run after all these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. You don't have to define yourself. Let your heavenly father define you. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and maybe we'll see if it works out. No, that's not what it says. You're like, which Bible are you reading from, man? No, that's not what it says. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his righteousness that defines you and I. And all these things will be given to you as well. So therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says, I'm inviting you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I'm inviting you for you to recover your identity. I'm inviting you to recover what you and I have lost through sin. I'm inviting you to have a redemption story. I'm inviting you so that your future doesn't have to be your past. That's why Paul says this, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because then, then you'll be able to see what the Lord has for you. Personally, as I begin to reflect on these words of God, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, this is what came to my heart and what I was convicted of was this. You may want to write it down, is that when I start sulking, it's time to start seeking. Man, when I start sulking, God, man, why they got a nicer car than me? They don't even go to church. Oh, sounds real spiritual, Nate, right? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when we write out our thoughts, we go, well, that's pretty immature. And what happens is sometimes when I start sulking, it's God, why this and them and that and all this other stuff. And what he's saying is this, when you and I start sulking on this, man, that is the cue. That is the indicator for you and I to start seeking his kingdom, seeking his righteousness. Because he's going, Nate, that's only when you're gonna find enough. There's a man, John Newton, that was alive in the 1700s. And I know I'll say the, John, in the name John Newton and sometimes we won't know what that means, but John Newton, this may ring a bell for you. He's the author of the song, Amazing Grace. And we go, oh, you have a powerful song. Love singing that song, great song. I don't know if you know the story of John Newton or not, but John Newton grew up on a slave ship. And at one point in time in his life, he was actually taken in as a slave only to be rescued and freed. And what he, went do, what he went back to was being the captain of a slave ship. And literally his whole life, he transported slaves, hundreds of thousands of men and women across the sea into slavery. Devastating, devastating decisions in his life. After he retired from being a slave ship captain, he met Jesus. And he spent the last 20 years of his life being a pastor. And I love what he said. It's not just that he wrote Amazing Grace, which 
might now give us context why that song is so powerful. Because this man, John Newton, needed a new identity. And he spent the rest of his life repenting of that sin and telling people this is not the way of Jesus. And listen to this quote. I didn't come across this quote till this week. And you hear the wrestling of a man who's trying to live out the identity of Christ after a past of regret. Listen to what he says. He says, I am not what I ought to be. We can all resonate with that. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. What John Newton discovered that day is this. He needed a new password to be free from his past. And here's the password that he discovered. It's one word, grace, grace, amazing grace that would save a captain of a slave ship that would save a Pharisee like Saul who was killing Christians until he met Jesus and his life was made new. To ask the same question God asked of Adam and Eve today for us. Where are you today? Where are you? What are you defining your identity by? Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you.